Welcome to Single Payer Radio. My name is Kay Tillow. I'm with Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. You're listening to WFMP LP FM 106.5 on your FM dial. And uh, it's at forwardradio.org. This program comes to you from Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare on Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. The opinions expressed on the show are those of the speakers and not of the station. If you'd like to reach Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare, we're at kyhealthcare.org. That's kyhealthcare.org. And we're delighted today to have a special guest. Her name is Dr. Pam Gronemeyer. She is a leader and activist in Physicians for a National Health Program, the former co-president of PNHP Illinois, a board member of Missourians for Single Payer, and she is a board-certified anatomic and clinical pathologist. She received a biology degree from Washington University in St. Louis, attended Tufts University School of Medicine, and completed her pathology residencies at New England Deaconess Hospital in Boston, Barnes Jewish in St. Louis, and St. Louis University Hospitals. She is the director and owner of her business, which is SEMC Pathology, and she practices throughout a number of hospitals and cities in the Illinois region. And she is a strong advocate for a national single payer, improved Medicare for all system, and we welcome you to the show, Pam. Thanks for being here. Oh. Well, thanks, Kay. I'm happy to be here. So um, could you tell us how and why you became involved in single-payer health care? Okay. Well, I've practiced medicine since I've actually been done with my residency since 81, and I've always practiced in Illinois. Now, I mean, I my my business consists of going to seven critical access hospitals, two GI labs and doctor's offices, picking up specimens. I, for a long time, I mean, I think at the beginning when I started, I sort of took it for granted that everything was working well. But as I, I'm, as time progressed, I realized it wasn't working well. And I started, you know, I, I, people don't realize that on pathologists, we don't see patients. We see specimens from patients, but that doesn't mean we don't care. And it doesn't mean we don't see face sheets and it doesn't mean we have, you know, we have to figure out how we're going to bill for some things. So um, in addition, when I started my business in, um, I actually basically started it in around 98, I hired employees and most of them had health insurance through their husbands or their spouses. So basically, I could pay them more salary, and they could continue to get their health insurance through their husbands. But then I had two women who didn't have one woman was a widow, and the other one's husband didn't work and had and medical problems. So I could no longer get single policies for them. And I, yeah, the other ones were through their spouses, but I had to get single policies for those two. So 
so therefore I I had to come up with a group plan. And I mean, I'm a very small group. I mean, I've had like, you know, up to seven employees. Now I'm down to um, five employees. So I've seen what, what they charge us for health insurance. I mean, I, when I started my plan, I had to go on, I had to be part of it. And I'm like, you know, not a kid since I've practiced that long. So therefore I was like the most expensive of all. And I, for my plan for one person, I was paying $1,600 a month. Oh my! And I realized, oh, it's awful. Yeah. I realized that. And see, I, I believe my employees are important and health insurance is important. So therefore they don't pay any, any part of the premium. I pay the premium and then I try to get as low a deductible as possible. And I try, and basically right now they have a platinum plan with a thousand dollar deductible, but if they go over $500, I actually supplement them so that for their cope, for their deductible. I just think that I know that my employees are important. It's important to have them be in good health and they're my friends. I mean, so therefore it's, it's very important. So over the years, I've seen what's happened to my health insurance. You know, some years it went up 16%. I think this year it went up 6% again. So, I mean, I have no ability to predict what United Healthcare is going to charge me for health insurance. And I'm no longer on my own health insurance. I went, after I was up to $1,600 a month, I went back to my husband's because he had a corporate, he worked for a corporation so I could get on his plan for cheaper. Now, of course, I am Medicare age. And so in, in um, I started on Medicare in 2018. And I love Medicare. I have Medicare, traditional Medicare and a uh, supplemental, and I also have a drug plan. So, but I, I, I realized that you know that healthcare wasn't working, and so I probably began. I guess started around 2004, I guess, and when I really started to get immersed and learned everything about you know PNHP and healthcare now and all the groups sing on labor unions for single payer, um, and all the groups that were out there. Because I mean, I think my theory is we need to be organized as a unit so we can make our voice heard because the more we organize, the more our voices will be heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was through your reading that you determined that an improved Medicare for all was the right solution? Oh, of course. I mean, Medicare for Medicare works. I mean, we know that people over the age of 65 have a better outcome than cancer care. And I mean, they do better. I mean, for pe- many people, Medicare is the best health insurance they've ever had. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they keep attacking it. I mean, you know, they keep saying, well, we don't, it doesn't give us vision and it doesn't give us, you know, um, hearing and it doesn't give us, well, I mean, the problem is, is we could do that if we expanded. That's why we want to improve Medicare for all. I mean, we could do that. I mean, we, we could do that. I mean, I really think, and in the long run, it would save money. I mean, because right now, they, I don't know how much everybody's paying in premiums, but we're paying a lot. I mean, I'm paying a lot in premiums for my employees. And I mean, I would just as soon if to fund it have some, I mean, I believe that you could have a, an, um, um, an employer tax that I would pay that would replace the health and would replace the um, premiums I'm paying. And that also that if there was a small added tax to my employees, it would be more than, it would be less than their current premiums and or their current co-pays. And so, I mean, I really think that, you know, if we got the insurance companies out, because they're making off like bandits now. 
They are indeed. So if we and they all care about us. I mean, let's face it. Right. And our health care is the most expensive in the world. And we're not getting well, money's worth. Uh, our life right, right. is going down. And it's just tragic that we're going backwards instead of forwards. So um, oh, I agree. <laughs> I Well, I uh, am amazed at something that you did recently. And that's what I'd like to get into. I understand that you organized referendums, two referendums to take place for improved Medicare for all, and you that were brought to a vote somewhere in Illinois. Can you tell us about right. this? Okay. Well, basically, Illinois is, is unique because Illinois, in addition to having counties and townships, and, and, and in addition to having counties and cities, and um, towns, we also have a township structure. And in the Illinois township structure, there's an ability for us to have a grass, bring a grassroots initiative a referendum to the ballot and people can vote on it. I mean, it's all defined, you know, it's all explained how you can do it and it's easy to do. And in fact, I had done this in 2014 for the uh, move to amend where I said, corporations aren't people and money isn't speech. And that passed by 75% of my township, which is uh -huh. Edwardsville and Glen Carbon. It's got about 16,000 voters. Uh-huh. So you had done this before with the... Uh, right. Different right. And this, right. this time, what was the question that you brought before the voters? Okay, well, let me just tell you, the reason I brought this too is because we were trying with the Illinois Single Payer Coalition to get Durbin and Duckworth, Senators Durbin and Duckworth, to listen to us. And they keep telling us that people love their, their, their private health insurance that they get from their companies. And that cannot be true because everybody's premiums are going up, their deductibles are going up. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I've seen what's happened in hospitals. Hospitals used to give their employees pretty decent insurance, but that's changed. I mean, they have like $5,000 deductibles now and people don't have $5,000 sitting around. So I did, this came up because I'm, I was tired of, you know, them telling us that people love their insurance. I mean, there have been articles that have been published that showed that's not true, but I thought we should have actually some sort of, and I mean, I know what the statistics say about how many people support it, but this is a local thing for us to do. It's a free it's actually basically a free poll. I mean, you know, cause using the township rule, we could get this on the ballot in Edwardsville township and see how the voters voted. And then we can come back and say, hey, look, we won. And so you had met with uh, Senators Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin and they- Well, I, I'm, yeah, I've met with Durbin many times, but we basically <laughs> talked mainly to like Durbin's um, healthcare people. And I mean, we really got nowhere. I mean, they really, I mean, we couldn't even get them to say they wouldn't take uh, more than $250 from, for, um, from health insurance companies or from hospitals or whatever. So we really not got anywhere, but they would keep telling us how people love their insurance. Well, my question was, was pretty basic. It was, shall the federal government create a universal national healthcare system of improved Medicare for all to ensure that all of the residents of the United States receive quality health care that is equitable and fair from birth to death. Wow. And that was my question. 
that's pretty clear. And that went on the ballot in two places in Illinois. Right. I actually, I tried to, okay, the, the Green Party was working with me and we were trying to get as many townships to do something. I mean, I contacted the townships near me, but I really, in order to get, I had to get somebody who was, who would take the lead because I can't, the, all the township, you have to go to the township meeting, the annual township meeting, which is the second Tuesday of the month. And you have to be from that township, but I'm not, I can only be from one township because that's where I live. So I needed to get other people involved and I was unable to get some of the local people near me. I did get the people um, in Champaign and Urbana to do it. I mean, there was a the people from uh, their group of PDA and also he's a member of the DSA and he got, tried to get Champaign, the um, township of Champaign and the township in Urbana. The township of Champaign didn't work out because they protested his signatures, but Urbana. So we had, we had it in Urbana and in um, Edwardsville township. Mm -hmm. And you had to get petitions signed. Right. But you only need to get 15 good signatures. Uh -huh. I mean, it's in order to take it to the township meeting, you take it to the township meeting, you have to have 15 good signatures. They have to be registered voters. And, you know, you need to get more than 15, you know, probably should get 30 because somebody may throw them out. And then you file that on March by March 1st, that petition. And then they decide whether they're going to put it on the meeting, which they did. And then you go to that second Tuesday of the month in April and go to the meeting, the theory and everybody who comes to the meeting has an equal vote. The people who are registered voters in Edwardsville Township, as well as the people in the in the administration or the elected officers in the township vote equally. So it's one person, one vote. And, you know, the main thing is you have to spread the word. You have to make sure you get supportive people on the ballot and that for this issue and that they vote. Now, I'll tell you one other thing, too. In 20, I'm trying to think when exactly that was. In 2015, I think it was, a person in, a woman in Springfield tried to do this for the Springfield, city of Springfield Township and the Near Township. And she tried to do the same thing. And she had me come up and talk. Now, this, the biggest mistake she made was you need to pack it with your supporters so you get enough votes that it gets on the ballot. And that's what I did. I mean, I got in my this one for single payer. I got everybody voted yes, even all the, um, you know, the the president of the township, vice, everybody voted yes. So it got put on the ballot. Wonderful. Did you organize that or did they were just for it? No, I mean, I, you know, they knew I've been around for a long time. I used to have prior to the pandemic, I used to have a booth once a month for single payer Medicare for all. And it sort of lapsed when we had because the the farmers market sort of went down to just basically food. But um, so people knew me, and I, you know, I've written letters to the editor. I've been around for a while, so they knew me. And I mean, I'm I'm known pretty well in the most of the in the township. Most of them are Democrats, so therefore they knew me from the Democratic Party too. Mm -hmm. And so the vote at the meeting was to put it on the ballot. Um, right. And, and then uh, it came to a vote in November of last year. Right. Did you campaign in some way between April and November? Well, I mean, I posted a lot on Facebook and I emailed people 
and I um, had flyers put around in places so people would see them. And I just really made sure that I that I got my supporters on board to spread the word. I mean, I have some pretty strong supporters. I mean, the biggest problem is is as if with with activists is you know none of us are kids, and we get sort of older, and I lose some of my activists, but I still keep some of them. And I mean, I get them on board. So, I mean, I, I think that the issue was well understood. And I mean, I really, there was, I tried to have a town hall for it in um, like the, a couple weeks before and nobody came. I set it up in the library, uh-huh. but you know, I do what I can do. Uh-huh. But the, the issue is well known within your area because of the work that you oh, right. have done. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, it was in Edwardsville Township that you were you were working. Could you tell us kind of how, what kind of a place that is? Is that rural or urban or Republican or Democrat or what? Well, well Edwardsville Township, Edwardsville is where the um, this Southern Illinois uh, University in Edwardsville is there. So there's it's a college town, but it's a relatively um, I mean it's not really the most progressive college that, that's there. I mean, it has a pharmacy school and it, I mean, and it, it's a state university. And then um, Edwardsville, is, Edwardsville and Glen Carmen are both, I mean, we're be- a lot of us are bedroom community of St. Louis. A lot of the people in my subdivision go to St. Louis to work. And a lot of people have come to Illinois from St. Louis because the housing, the housing prices are cheaper, but the property tax is higher. But we can see what we're getting for our property tax with the schools. And I mean, I think that there, um, this part of Madison County is a little bit more progressive than the rest of Madison County, which is terrible because Madison County used to be a, a progressive county. But as times have changed, I mean, the steel mill in Granite City is down. And I mean, there, were, there are a lot of union employees there. And I mean, basically, they're practically going to close it. So, I mean, we just don't have the Democratic votes we used to have. So now we have... I mean, we don't have one elected Democrat official except for the coroner. I mean, we lost the woman who was a who was the um, county clerk was wonderful and very enthusiastic, and she lost this time. So I mean, it's really tragic. So I mean, I think that um, that we're having issues now. In when in the 2016 election, Edwardsville Township was the only only part of Madison County that voted for Hillary. And in 2020, everybody, Madison County voted for for um, Trump. So, the area, <laughs> so it's pretty sad. So the area where your referendum was voted on had voted for Trump in the in the prior election, right? Right, right. Well, and the thing is, let me just tell you, you can't you had asked me about votes. Okay, I went through, okay, the township, the only thing that the township was on the ballot for was my non-binding referendum. So what I did was I saw how many votes we got, how many votes were cast for that. It was 15,215, of which 9,795 voted yes. So that was 64.38%. When I looked at the township, when I looked at the four different board positions for 
for two for Edwardsville and two for Glen Carbon, I found that when I added up all those voters, it was 15,453. So that's only 200 voters more than I got from the township. And when I saw how many Democrats versus Republicans, 54% of the people in those in the township voted for Democrats versus my 63 or 0.64.4%. So I, mean, I think we did quite well. I mean, we got... Um, 1,500 more, no, 1,400 more votes. So improved Medicare for all is more popular with the people than any of the candidates. Right. Right? <laughs> so you Well, and that's what they say. That's what they say. You know, I mean, they say it's, you know, that it's, it's not, it's not related to political party. That, I mean, then there have been many articles or letters to the editor, I think, written by Republicans who support Medicare for all. So uh, what uh, were you surprised by the vote or was that what you expected? No, I, I was just happy. I mean, I was happy. See, and I'm in the where I live is in the metro. OK, it's the metro east of St. Louis. We are the third of the of the circle around St. Louis. But we're the ones on the other side of the river because we're so therefore we're about in our whole town in our both. St. Clair and Madison County, it's about 600,000 people. So, but, so we're really, I mean, we, we're urban, but we do have, you know, I mean, across from my office, there's a cornfield. And I mean, there's still cornfields around and there are still farmers around. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we have sort of a mixed population. Okay, a little bit rural, <laughs> a little bit urban. A little bit, and a little bit, right. The little bit voting for Trump, but also voting for improved Medicare for all with an right. overwhelming vote uh, at 64.38 is really. A I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. And I mean, we didn't do as well as they did in Urbana. We're in Urbana, which where he got that on the ballot and where Alan got that on the ballot in, in Urbana. That was like 84 percent. But Urbana is a more liberal county. We're all in the same. Uh, yeah, they're more li- they're more liberal county, and I mean than we are. I mean, and that's probably partially because that's where the University of Illinois is. So they voted eighty four percent for an right care for all. Right, right. Was there a an opposition campaign in either? Area? Not that I heard of. Not that I heard of. No one. Maybe they were afraid of me. No, I didn't. Hit, I didn't get any nasty letters, or I didn't see any. I mean, we do really don't have our newspapers. Our, our newspaper in Edwardsville is not a gigantic newspaper, and the Belleville News Democrat, which is in St. Clair County, and Alton Telegraph is in Madison County. They tend to be pretty conservative. Whenever I try to get letters to the editor, I get them put in the St. Louis Post Dispatch. But a lot of people read the Post Dispatch because it has more national news than read the Edwardsville Intelligencer or the Belleville News Democrat or the Alton Telegraph. So, um, and I did, I mean, I, I do watch when I write a letter to the editor about Medicare for all, I do read the comments, <laughs> you know, the people that comment back, but I didn't get any nasty comments about this. And it was, you know, I mean, it was on the sample ballot. Uh-huh. So people knew it was out there. Uh-huh. Uh, you didn't go door to door? In a no, I didn't. No, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't have a big group. 
it's Pam. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just trying to get people to do stuff. I mean, what I was trying to do was also get people activated in other townships because I can really only handle my own township. But I sent them all the information and I tried to get the Green Party people who decided on other things they wanted to put on the initiatives. I tried to get some of the counties near me. And I mean, I need to really start calling them. But I mean, I, the biggest problem with me is I'm working still. So I work about 60 or 70 hours a week. So therefore, it's hard for me to get out. But, you know, if I can get some people to help me, and that's what we're going to try to do, try to build the movement so we can get, because I think this is a wonderful way to show that people support Medicare for all. They're voting for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, they can't deny the vote. I mean, Durban can't say, well, that doesn't count. Well, of course it does. They voted for it. So how are you letting Durban and Duckworth and anyone else know about this vote? Okay. Well, this, okay, well, I, I emailed all their offices and I've actually sent some pointed emails because I do, I know Durban relatively well and Duckworth I've met multiple times. We also have a new congressional candidate, our new con congresswoman up, they, they rewrote our district in 20, when did they rewrite? 2012. We've got in a new congressional district. We used to be in the 13th. No, we used to be in the 15th, which was historically Republican under John Shimkus. Then it, they created a new one district that went from my area in Madison County all the way up to part of Springfield, all the way up to Champaign and Urbana. And they, that's now the 13th. So that was supposed, was created to be like a swing district. But it, we've, we had a Republican congressperson there who used to work for John Shimkus, who was the one in the 15th, the congressman in the 15th. But what happened to him was in this time, they redistricted him. They took his Jacksonville, which Illinois, out of the, the 13th, and they moved it to, they moved it to the, I'm trying to think what it is, is it the, fifth, the 15th. And he had to run he had to run in a primary against the woman who is really, really a QAnon type person and he lost. So, so now we have a democratic congressperson, a woman, and she was actually, you know, she was to work for Durbin. She worked for Pritzker. She worked for Biden, but I'm trying, and I've been on, trying perpetually to get her to listen about Medicare for all. Cause I at least have somebody who's not going to just, you know, tell me they don't, you know, they have to listen because I voted for her. I mean, you know, I mean, I really, I, I voted for her. I campaigned for her. I mean, she wasn't as progressive as I wanted, but I figured yeah, maybe we can sway her mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, um, it seems to me that it's a really important point to show that there are actual majorities, even super majorities, that are for an improved Medicare for all, because that really uh, flies in the face of the opinions expressed by those who say we can't go there politically because the people are opposed to it. So it's Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it's really important that that gets out. I mean, because we can show them, you know, the, it's hard to just give them numbers from the country. But if you give them something in their district, they can't, you know, they have to listen. I would hope. Yes. <laughs> I would hope. I mean, you know, the thing is, it's just 
that, you know, I, I, you know, I, I mean, like Durbin was so strong about, well, people like their, their health insurance from, from their employees, though they don't. I mean, they have no choice of what they get from their employers, the employer's ticket. And I mean, it's a lot of work to pick it out because, you know, you want to make this the right decision. And I mean, you know, and then, and for my business, I'm so small that I only had one provider that actually it was the United Healthcare that would offer me a plan. Mm-hmm. And, oh. and employer-based uh, employer health care is getting worse now. I think. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, because their 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 premiums are going up, their deductibles are going up, their copays are going up. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, they're paying a lot. And then there's, I mean, most many of the people who don't get the health care they need are insured, but they're afraid to use it because they're afraid that you know it'll cost too much. Right. And they're they're not getting the care they need. I saw those figures recently that we have something like around 40% of the people who go without care. That would be many of those people would be insured because oh, right. they cannot afford the costs that they have to pay uh, to be able to go. So our, it's virtually people going without health care in the country. It's uh, pathetic. Even when they have a form of insurance. So insurance that you can't use is not insurance. (laughs) Right. It's criminal. I mean, it's really a joke. I mean, and and if they don't use it, the insurance companies are pocketing the premiums and, you know, people aren't getting anything for it. I mean, you know, it's like a, you know, it's like a, you throw money in and you don't get anything for it. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's just, you know, because what they call these people are underinsured. Right. They're not uninsured, but they're underinsured. And it's, it's becoming most of the people, right? And, uh, right, right. Our, oh, yeah. Uninsured, I think, is, is back up to maybe 10%. And we're facing when they end this, I think sometime in April, they're going to begin uh, cutting off the people that got onto Medicaid through the public health emergency. So we've got a crisis everywhere that we turn. And in fact, people in Medicare <laughs> are having difficulty. Well, and then they're trying to kill us there in Medicare because they're trying to cut out traditional Medicare and privatize it. You know, they want, they have these new REACH programs, the ACOs, where they're going to try to get everybody into an ACO and our accountable care organization. And which is supposed to be better. They manage you better, but it's not because it's, it's just a group of doctors and the hospitals that are that where they work with, you don't have any choice of your doctors and you don't have any choice of your hospitals. And I mean, that's the beauty of traditional Medicare is, I mean, I had bilateral breast cancer in 2018 and I got to pick, and it actually the first month that I was had to be treated was for a first month in Medicare. And I mean, it works. I mean, it does work. I mean, it, the only problem is the copay, you know, it's the, the supplemental's expensive. And then also the, the, um, you have to pay for the drug plan. So that's expensive. I mean, I can afford it, afford it, but not everybody can afford all those extra things. So I understand why people think Medicare Advantage is a perk, but it's not if you try to use it. I mean, it's got limited networks. And if and they pick out the healthy people, and if you get sick, they dump you. Yeah, at, at Medicare Advantage, they have a a lot of denials of care, a lot of waiting for prior authorization, uh, where you know the procedure that your physician 
things should be done can't be done because they're waiting for the insurance company to say whether they approve it or not. So right, and there's no pre, and there's nothing like that in Medicare. Right, in traditional Medicare. Traditional, uh, right? Traditional Medicare. There's nothing like that. Which we're fighting to save from the from the right from privatization. We say, don't privatize it, Medicare. Supersize it. So, uh, well, and then they have this horrible, those horrible. I mean, first of all, you know, they they get Medicare Advantage gets paid more than traditional Medicare. You know, they do. They hound you to death to try to get you in a in a in a Medicare in a Medicare Advantage plan. I mean, you get how many phone calls do you get? How many emails do you get? How many people want you know to check it out until they find out you're sick and then they don't want you anymore? But it's just it's. And I mean, advertising's expensive. So therefore, you know, they're getting paid money, good money to do it. It's not like they're doing it because they really care about our health. So the solution for everybody, the people who are getting kicked off of Medicaid and the people who are suffering under employer insurance, that's not good enough. And the people who don't, don't need to pay copays and deductibles, all of those, all of us would be better off if we had a national single payer healthcare system and improved Medicare for all with no payments at the point of service and coverage for everyone and the removal of all of the financial barriers that are keeping people from getting their care. Well, and it's not free. You know, people say, oh, free healthcare. Well, it's not free. Somebody's paying for it. I mean, we'd be paying for it by taxes or something. I mean, Canada does it. I mean, we're the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have some sort of universal health care. I mean, is that pathetic? We're the richest country in the world and we can't offer our people health care. I mean, you know, health care, I mean, you, know, you can't say to people that health care is a human right. That just like sends some people, you know, they want to, you know, they go crazy when they hear that. But it really is a human right. I mean, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, you can't have any of those without having good health care. You're right. You're absolutely right, Pam. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that the, the campaign that you have waged to do the referendum, do you think that uh, has value for other people in other states as a way well, to... Which, oh, I, th I think getting it on the ballot is definitely the way to do it. Now, what you have to do, though, is go to your state government and see what your opportunities are for ballot initiatives. And like not every state has a ballot of initiative, like Missouri doesn't. But there are other ways to get it on the ballot. You can go to your city councils. You can go to your board of aldermen. You can try to get them to put it on the ballot. It's a non-binding referendum, and they can do that. I mean, that's, I mean, and you could also, I guess, go to your county. The problem is every time you increase your number, you have to increase your number of signatures. I mean, to get the in the state ballot as a non-binding referendum in, in Illinois, it's 8% of the people who voted for the winning governor candidate. So it's like over 300,000 signatures. And unless you get every part of the state to cooperate, you know, and, and like some, you know, some states, some parts of the state has said, well, we already got that passed. I mean, yeah, they got it passed in like, actually the state legislature passed something that said they support Medicare for all. But all it got listed in the newspaper was like communist, communist thing passed. It's like, oh, my gosh. So it really didn't get any press. 
So, I mean, we really need to get the, we need to get down to the people and we need to get the people to understand what we're trying to do. And I think getting it on the ballot is the best way to do it. Uh, let me ask you about the idea of putting it on for the state. I know that there are some states, I think Colorado was one, I'm not sure what else, that at some point in past years did uh, referendums statewide for single payer. And uh, the uh, industry, the insurance industry got into motion and uh, waged uh, ferocious campaigns that overpowered the uh, strength of the people who were promoting the uh, Medicare for all. Uh, do you think that's a danger of happening um, oh. on a statewide level? Oh, I think that can happen. Uh, I mean, you know, cause not every part of Illinois is as progressive as other parts. I mean, I have to tell you that some of the other ballot initiatives that were on there and some of the other counties were that Chicago should not be included in the state of Illinois. I mean, can you believe that he wants to see? I mean, can't, I know. I mean, and actually, there are more and more of them. I mean, that are, it's like, wow. I mean, and it's the same thing. We just passed an assault rifle ban, and now there are sheriffs that are saying they're not going to honor it, which they have to. It's a law. I mean, so it's just, you know, you not everybody's as progressive. I mean, it's so embarrassing. Now, Madison County, I don't think right now we have anything. There's supposedly like a, a ballot initiative that's going to come out of the most conservative part of Madison County, which is where my office is, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't think it will do well. I mean, you know, what are you, I mean, what kind of fools are these people? They want to get rid of Chicago. I'm happy it's there. <laughs> I'm, I cheer every time that they vote and how they vote. So, so uh, yeah. do you, do you think that we have majority for an improved Medicare for all everywhere or uh, is it something that people would have to be able to organize to produce that? Well, I think partly you need to explain it because some of these people don't know anything. All they know is what they hear on Fox News about how bad it is. So therefore, what this gives you by putting it on the ballot gives you the opportunity to get out and talk to people. I mean, get out and hold town halls or go, if you get enough people to go canvas, I mean, you know, canvassing is the best way to go door to door. I mean, that's what we need to do. We need to get a, a group of activists. I mean, and that's, I mean, the pandemic really sort of cut down on activism. We need to reactivate people to try to get that. I mean, we need to get the young people involved too. I mean, cause you know, they're the ones that are going to have the burden of health insurance. I mean, you know, and then what happens is they create a, the people try to create a war between older people and younger people because they think we're taking all the money for Medicare and they're not, nothing's going to be left for them. And we're not trying to do that. We're trying to make sure that it's as good for them as it was for us. That's my theory. I mean, that's why I do it. And so you think that when people understand that we have really solid majority, Oh, I think we do. I mean, I think that, but I think that we do, but it's why it's nice to have the numbers and that this would give you the opportunity to get the numbers, but I just need to get, find somebody in every township who will be my, who will be my proponent, you know, my person who will go and do some of the legwork. And it's not that hard. 15 signatures. It's like, or, you know, 30 signatures is nothing. And then to go to the meeting, just make sure you call the people you, you know, who are your supporters. And then once you get it on the ballot, then advertise. 
you know, then do, you know, I mean, maybe you can find a radio places. Maybe you can, you know, I, one time I had a, I paid for a billboard for Medicare for all Where was for Medicare too. Oh yeah. It was on highway 55. It was uh-huh. up for about four months. My husband and I paid for it. Uh-huh. Did it get a lot of attention? I don't know. Nobody called me, but, but I, I it was up there. And we also in St. Louis, Missourians for single payer, since we become more like a club rather than an active group, we actually put up two signs in St. Louis thanking the city of St. Louis aldermen for passing their resolution. Uh-huh. And I mean, passing resol- resolutions, but I think the beauty of, of you get more advertisement if you get people to vote for it. Uh-huh. And I did have, I did talk to some, oh my gosh, somebody from NPR, they were going to do, they did. They picked the weirdest stuff. They picked these four women who were in Highland with their with their petition to get Chicago out of the state of Illinois. And they had them talk on the radio. I mean, it was embarrassing for Madison County. So I contacted them. I said, why didn't you talk about our referendum? I mean, I'm, never, I'm not really happy ever with public radio because I used to give them money and I always called to try to get them to do something about single payer and they never listen. It's very difficult. So, to get um, yeah. our issue and the truth about it into the media. If we could do right. that, we would uh, surely win very rapidly. It's uh, right. systematically excluded so that most people don't know that there's a solid majority of popular support and politicians can still get away with saying, oh, we don't think the people are for it. Well, so- Well, that's why we need to unite. I mean, and I joined the League of Women Voters because the League of Women Voters has HR for us and it's health reform for us. And they have a group where they talk about health reform. And I mean, I joined them. I mean, we should get the NAACP. We should get every group. I mean, and, and our, my congresswoman now, Nikki Bidzinski, is, is, always talks about labor unions. So every time I get something from single, you know, labor unions for single payer or the camp, well, I guess it's a labor campaign for single payer or whatever. I make sure she gets a copy of it and she sees the video. I send her the videos. Now I don't get much response, but you know, she's only, you know what they only got. She only got sworn in in the beginning of January. So I've got a couple years to work on her. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the only thing is she doesn't have an office down near me. It's up near Springfield. And I mean, I just wish that I had more time to do it, but I like my employees too much and I don't want to turn them loose on see what happens to them with the rest of the world if they if they if I don't hire them because I'm a good employer. So I keep working. Well, it's amazing that you could do this in your spare time when you're working so many hours as a pathologist. There is no spare time. <laughs> there is no spare you know what I mean my time is like I spend my time looking at slides. I mean, it's not something you can just push off. And not everything, you know, a lot of them are easy. Gallbladders are easy, but, you know, once in a while you have a cancer of the gallbladder or you have something you don't anticipate or you've never seen before. So, you know, you got to keep your attention. Front. You know, you have to be attentive. So. Well, Pam, I'm just delighted that you're organizing in Southern Illinois to spread the word about single payer and improve Medicare for all and that you've done the referendum is there anything that you think people who want to do it should know about um, about how to proceed? Well, yeah, and I I, I can send them. If Kay, we can, I send you the I, I sent you the links. If we could maybe post them in the chat or something, those links I sent you. Okay. To- Our, um, 
Uh, would you be willing to talk with people who are interested in doing this? Well, yeah, somebody, if somebody wants to call me, I mean, I, I have gotten somebody from Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania emailed me. And the problem is, I don't know about every state, but what they have to do for the other states, they need to look at their government and see what the options are. And, you know, you can find almost anything about what your government does if you ask, if you ask, if you keep asking questions in your, in your browser. I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to find your state. I mean, I found out about this partially because of, of the move to amend people, because they told me about it in 2012, because they, they got their move to amend thing in 2012. But I did mine in 2014 in Edwardsville Township. But I mean, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, they. I mean, you could give them my number. They could email me at See if I, you know, I'll try to answer them in a timely fashion if I can. Okay, well, people could get in touch with Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. Uh, you can reach us through our website where the contact information is. We're at kyhealthcare.org. And you get there, you can uh, email us or call us. Both of those things, our numbers and email are available there. And we'll put you in touch with. Dr. Gronemeyer, and so she can lend you a hand in uh, learning uh, what she did to get people showing their support for the change that's needed through a vote, actually on the ground vote in the election in the township where she lives. So we'd be happy for people to contact us, and we think that this movement should be spread all across the country, uh, that I think it's true everywhere that the needs are there and are great and that people are hurting and that they will respond to a campaign that is hopeful about bringing real care to everyone. There's an anger in the land, there is a medical debt, there's a shortening of life expectancy. We're not getting the outcomes, we're not getting humane treatment for our people. It's very difficult to get to a doctor and to get to a health plan that is going to work and most of them aren't working. So the solution is to remove the for-profit insurance industry from our healthcare system so that the money that we have to spend on healthcare can actually go for care and go to the people who need the care and to the people who know how to provide that care, not to middlemen or insurance companies. Okay. Well, Kay, we, Kay, we need to really do this now because if this, what's working against us is the REACH program. I mean, if they get rid of traditional Medicare, what are we going to do? Well, how are we going to get Medicare for all if it's traditional Medicare is gone? We don't want Medicare Advantage for all. We want we want improved Medicare for all. So we need to make sure that we're pushing so they don't try to, you know, and pushing against the REACH program so we don't get that crammed down our throats. I mean, I don't want, I mean, I, I, that's not what I picked. I picked traditional Medicare and I know why I picked it and I want it. I don't want them to tell me I have to be part of a group or whatever. So, I mean, the other thing is that you can see, I mean, just the, in, the intrusions they make on you. Cigna bought Express Scripts. Now I get phone calls from Cigna where they want to go over my medications with a nurse or pharmacist. It's like, 
I know what medications I take. I'm not over-medicating. I mean, leave me alone. So why are they interfering with what your doctor prescribes by calling you? I mean, they call us like once a month. My husband won't even answer them. I mean, you know, he when they call him, he just ignores it. And I mean, I, you know, I don't, I was going to argue with them, but it's like, now I'm going to ignore it too, because they don't need, they don't understand my health care, my health issues. And I mean, I don't want them to tell me, I mean, I'm paying for a drug plan. I'm not, over, I mean, I'm not do, overdoing it. So leave me alone. You know, it's my attitude. It's tragic that uh, through the, through these Medicare Advantage plans, which are the private for-profit part that's taking over uh, Medicare and through this ACO reach, which is taking over the traditional Medicare. All of those plans send someone to try to uh, question you, not because of their concern for your health, but because they want to be able to upcode to right. say that you are sicker than you really are in order to increase the profit they will get by billing that to our Medicare trust fund. So even though these are healthy people they're selecting, they take your whole chart. I mean, what they do is they take your chart and they go through it and they find any time you've had a diagnosis. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, what they do, they upcode. And I mean, it's just, you know, I, it's, I just, you know, the insurance companies add no benefit. And um, in this REACH program, they are putting people without their consent who actually chose to be in traditional Medicare, they're putting them into this for-profit. If, if their doctors join it, if their primary care doctor joins it, they're in that reach. They're in that program. Now they can get. The only way they can get out of it is to find another primary care. So they're and I mean they're just blocking you into it. I mean it's just and I mean it's going to wipe out, out traditional Medicare. And the problem is Medicare Advantage. People hear all this stuff on the TV, and they don't hear the downside about it. There are a lot of art. I mean you know Wendell Potter publishes a lot about the downside of Medicare Advantage, and I put every one of those things he writes on my Facebook page, my Southern Illinois People for Progress Facebook page. I mean, I post a lot. So, you know, whenever I see something, I post it. Okay, so we're in the, the fight not only to get an improved Medicare for all, but to save our Medicare from the privatization that is trying to engulf it. And there is a huge movement. I mean, people across the country, when they hear about it, they are outraged that they would- Right, well, yes. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you show me that letter. Or I got a copy of that letter that somebody got about it, about their how they were moving them into it. It's like, and it's it's done without your asking you. It's just done. And I mean, what you have to do is get a new primary care. It's like, oh my gosh, terrible. Uh huh. And no one should. People should be able to choose their own physicians, not have to move because because of what? Yeah, because their insurance because insurance is forcing them to. This, I mean, it's horrible. Uh, this new REACH program is uh, bringing in Wall Street, really, venture capital. Oh, right. Oh, of course. They're buying into it. Yeah. And uh, they're investing heavily in it. And so much profit is being made now through these public programs, Medicare and Medicaid, where they're taking big chunks. I think they can get as high as 40% of the money, these reach. 
Well, that's what the reach is. Yeah, 40%. It's up to 40%. I mean, the thing is, it's, and I mean, you've got to watch the private equity. I mean, the other thing that private equity doing is buying doctor's offices. I mean, so therefore, doctor's offices, the doc, young doctors are going to end up working for the private equity firms. You want, want to be tied into a private equity firm because it's all about money. That's not what the Hippocratic Oath says. We don't, you know, I don't owe my my, you know, it's not like, okay, we know that what they say about corporations, their primary important thing is to make sure their shareholders get paid. But that's not what the Hippocratic Oath is for me. It doesn't say my primary goal is, my primary goal is to make, try to keep my patients healthy. It's not to try to make sure that I make money for the insurance companies, the private equity firms. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Physicians have to be free to practice according to their best judgment and their knowledge and right. their what they have learned. And to have right. physician control by a, a money-making entity that makes more profit if they can persuade the physician to deny care or to upcode or to do other things, it's a terrible system. Or they'll fire them. Or they'll fire them. It's I mean, you know, they have the power of the purse. And it's we horrible. It's a terrible system. We now have burnout among physicians and among our nurses because they're now working in a system that doesn't value their skills and their work or their patients. And right. so we need to go to improve Medicare for all, not just for the patients, but for the caregivers as well, for those who have chosen to work in this field and who want to be able to actually do care instead of make money for venture capital, Signal, Wall Street, and all of those other parasites. I agree. Amen. <laughs> that are coming down on us. Okay, well, I, I agree with you on the ACO reach. Uh, it's important to stop that, to get it kicked out. People should call their congressperson tell them that ACO reach should be ended. It could be ended with the stroke of a pen by President Biden. It has not been enacted. It's, it's, uh, it's an experimental program. It could be ended by President Biden. If Congress would raise cane about it, it could be ended and they ought to be hearing from their constituents on it. I agree. <laughs> okay, we have... Uh, just a few more minutes to be able to uh, bring our message to people. You're listening to Single Payer Radio. It's 106.5 FM, Forward Radio in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, we're talking with Dr. Pam Gronemeyer, who is a pathologist and an activist in the movement for improved Medicare for all. And she has successfully placed on the ballot a referendum that calls for the enactment of a program that would bring health care to everyone through such a program. And uh, we've learned a lot about it. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion, Pam? No, I mean, just get active. If you're not in from this, my state of Illinois, look at your state and see what you can do. I mean... And, you know, try to find like-minded people. I mean, because really we need to get back to work. I mean, the pandemic is, you know, hopefully over. And, you know, we have, if, I mean, if you have sense, you got your shots. 
So therefore we need to get going because we can't, we don't have time to waste. And we need a lot of activism <laughs> in order right. to make this happen because, you know, in a democracy, it ought to be that if the majority of people are for it, it then gets written into the law. And that hasn't happened. <laughs> no, nowhere has it happened. I mean, you know, we're all for gun control and we don't have that. I mean, you know, the thing is, I mean, you know, we need to get active and we need to figure out how to fix things. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, realistically, I guess what we need to do is talk to people too about it. You know, I, I usually wear pins or something to advertise my feelings. And I mean, when I was at the market, you know, I learned how to, you know, some people you're never going to convince, but you have to stand up and support yourself and you have to stand up for your ideas. You know, I had some man who told me that I you know, couldn't believe a doctor would be so stupid and want Medicare for all. And, you know, all I could say, sir, is you have a really nice dog. I mean, you know, you just need to diffuse the situation, but you just, but you need to be able to talk to people. And, you know, some of the people just don't know what we're talking about still, even though they, you know, they only hear what's on Fox News. So we need, more so, I mean, we need to, to get the word out. More people to help us to get out the message. And this right. Is and, you know, right. But, you know, doctors are hard to motivate, too. I mean, it seems to me, you know, I had time. I didn't have time to do it, but I did it. And it wasn't that complicated. So therefore, you know, and some of them are in outside counties. So, I mean, you know, and I'm going to really try to push again. I just need to be able to, if I could find some people to call or to call the other people and get them on board. You know, it's just hard for phoneless and everything. You know, I just don't have time to spend hours on the phone. Well, we so. certainly appreciate your being with us, Dr. Gronemeyer, and we wish you well as you continue your work to okay. care to everyone. Okay, well, thank, thank, thank you, you so Kay. Much. Thanks for, for nice. Okay, thank you. Take care.